How do we prepare our client for surgery with hypnosis? From time to time on the forums, for example on Facebook, you find questions as this one. I have a client who is undergoing surgery. How can I prepare or accompany the client? Welcome to episode 12 of Hypnotalks Questions and Answers. Today we are talking about how to combine surgery and hypnosis. That not only includes surgery in an operating theater, but also using hypnosis and dentistry, not only during the procedure, but also preparing for the procedure. My name is Axel Hombach. I'm a hypnotist and trainer for hypnosis and self-hypnosis in Cologne, Germany. I'm sitting here online with Dr. John Butler, the director of the HTI, the Hypnotherapy Training International in London. Hello, John. Hello, Axel. With topics as hypnosurgery, hypnoanesthesia, hypnodentistry, hypnopreparation, hypnoaftercare and what you call it. John, you are probably one of the best suited people to talk about this topic. Not only have you worked in this field for so many years, you are yourself a neurologist, a medical researcher and a lecturer at one of the most renowned universities in Britain, the King's College in London. So let's start with the first question. For how long have you been working in this field? Well, if I go back to some of the very earliest work I did, it's, the best, it's around about 40 years. But I would say in terms of really training people and using it then more and more in medical settings, in official settings, so to speak, you know, clinical settings in the medical field, I think from about 1990, so we're talking a long time. Yeah, so <laughs> I have to say it's... Yeah, that's approaching 30 years now. Almost 30 years. That you have practical experience as hypnoanesthetist, for example. Yes, instead of simply using it in chronic and acute pain, all those and various other medical applications in, in, in previous years, in the 10 and more years before that, From then on, I trained nurses to use it as an adjunct and doctors use an adjunct to chemical anesthesia in surgical settings. 1990-1991 was when I wrote the first course within the NHS, the National Health Service in the UK, and then for doctors, nurses, midwives. The course was aimed at nurses uh, primarily, uh, but that was really about the beginning of working within surgery settings and seeing patients in a surgical setting, hypnotizing them before surgery, sometimes uh, being there, giving suggestions during the surgery, and then afterwards in helping them with recovery and post-operative pain and so on. So since the 1990s, you have been actively working in that field and also been giving courses. Yes, we've taught, I've taught courses for medical uh, practitioners and specific special courses for surgeons and anesthetists, and people, people uh, in the dental field, training dentists to use it as a replacement for chemical anesthetics where people had bad reactions to the chemicals that were used, so it could be used as an adjunct or replacement depending on the needs, the medical needs of the patient. So it's been used a lot by graduates of mine for their own surgeries, their own dental treatments and various medical procedures of all kinds, which are quite stressful. Maybe also, uh, well, certainly some of the people I have taught are now training not only patients, but training students 
to become hypnotherapists who work in medical settings. So that's very gratifying to see this going down through the years now into the upcoming generation of practitioners and trainers. The people that you talk about, your former students, are probably themselves medical personnel. Yes, some are medical and some are people who are not medical trained but have the opportunity to use it in certain settings because they are maybe sometimes have been allowed to attend surgeries or have some role within the NHS, maybe as a psychologist, and they're a bit enabled to use it then in preparing patients for surgery. But, of course, many are also practitioners, hypnotic practitioners or hypno-coaches who are working with patients in their own offices and they are preparing people who have surgery coming up. And this is where, of course, still the largest number of hypno-surgery programming is done in those cases. And as our podcast, Hypnotalks Question and Answers, has more the general practitioning hypnotist or hypnotherapist, hypno-coach as an intended audience, what would you, with your experience, suggest to someone who doesn't necessarily have a very vast medical background, what would you consider important or advice? What is important in order to prepare the client for hypnosurgery or related applications? Well, several things come immediately to mind. One of the main reasons people will come to you for hypnosurgery is to deal with preoperative anxiety and phobia. And it may be very severe, could even interfere with death or permanent disability, some very bad outcomes and so on. And so we have to uncover the nature and depth of the fears. You need, of course, all the skills that a hypnotherapist who doesn't work in the medical field has, such as really excellent uncovering techniques and ability to build a relationship and do all of that intense full interview so you know the nature of the problems that they have and finding out about the severity and nature of the surgery, of course, when you don't have medical knowledge, You keep it in your scope of practice, but make sure you have good medical opinion coming from the patient or the referral from the doctor. That's often they will be able to get a, if they decide they want you as a very close partner in the process and tell the doctor about this, information will come your way from the medical people if you ask for it and if the patient asks for it, in most cases you'll get it. And so you now can work with that patient in a very careful and systematic way dealing with all aspects of their medical problems from a hypnotherapy and hypno-coaching point of view. Typically, actually, you'll be doing a lot of work with relaxation and programming for specific outcomes. Relaxation is so critical because it keeps hormone levels under control. It keeps people away from high levels of adrenaline and cortisol, and so their bodies are in the best possible shape and state for having the surgery beforehand of course there may be things you might be motivating them and getting ready for that they're eating in a better way get plenty of rest and sleep before the main day uh, you're building confidence hope expectation for the very best results you train them in visualization and imagination you can teach them self-hypnosis of course which is very important valuable and empowering for them because remember the very best outcomes come from people who are in partnership with any of uh, medical help. They're not passive. There's a great deal of research in this, by the way, and there's good quality research, which is very consistent over the years, that people who are active in helping themselves 
will work well with the medical practitioners, with you as the therapist, and this will give us a feeling of, and this is a very important word here, greater control. Worst outcomes for people who are out of control or feel not having much control, that increases stress levels. So instead of excitement or eustress, they're in distress. The hormone levels are working against them. Various bodily functions are then compromised. So healing is slower, less complete maybe. Immune response is much weaker. And so when you've got people who are very actively participating with you, their minds and bodies are very well prepared. Now, there's a lot of programming, good work you can do with them for this. When you've removed most of those fears or reduced them and got them under control, and you've helped that person with confidence, belief, expectation, good feelings of self-efficacy, self-love, wanting fully to be better, motivational levels, or be as good as they can be. And you've dealt with any subconscious fear of death or will to die. So we have hope, will to live instead of will to die. They see as a challenge and you've dealt with any medical information they may have picked up that is very negative and doesn't help them. Iatrogenic illness caused by mistaken communications or poor quality communication from doctors or surgeons. I encourage the patients to make sure they speak to their surgeon and the anesthetist instead of seeing him the night before or her or 20 minutes before the surgery. Having that human interaction and I say to people, now, this depends on the setup in the hospital. If you can get the doctors to take what you're doing seriously, that you're having and you, you want to have and you're insisting on it more or less in a polite way, that there will be positive medical suggestions given to you and that maybe that therapist needs to speak to the doctors a bit more about that. They don't want to be told their job, of course, but the patient, particularly if they're having it done privately, has more say in the matter, let's call it that. Now, when they explain that they do not want negative, inappropriately negative, unhealthy messages given to their subconscious from authority figures such as doctors and surgeons, this will help to avoid the worst kind of fears and negative expectation. So we want people to feel that control, very positive attitude to it. Again, as in all of medicine, We can never guarantee outcomes, but they will feel that they're ready to do a good job here helping themselves. And you are there, and maybe you'll be allowed to be there even for the surgery if it's really something that is necessary and beneficial for the patient. For example, if they're not having any anesthetic because they have such adverse reactions to the anesthetics, you may be able to negotiate that with the hospital. We've done that on several occasions, of course and occasionally made some films. We've been allowed to do that of it. And of course, with that hypnosurgery live, and that was one I, in conjunction with the TV channel, created so that we could educate doctors and the public about how manageable all of this is, how much you can do to help people with surgery. And so a little programming goes a long way. Learning to work with hypnosis beforehand gives more time to prepare for the very best outcomes. For example, if you can see them three or four days before the surgery, or even if you know three or four weeks, you may be able to fit in four sessions perhaps with the client practicing with the recording programming you've given them, practicing their self-hypnosis. And in those recordings, you will have covered 
the preparation, that their body is strong, healthy, copes with surgery, works well with what happens during the procedures and gives them an excellent recovery. They may even be able to use a recording if you're not there during the uh, surgery. They have a small pillow speaker arranged for them to listen. It won't distract them from any communications if the surgeon needs to speak to them. That's if you're going to be absent. They will also get programming for recovery. So that initial recording can cover those three stages quite well, pre, peri, and post. I always give people a post-operative recording, preferably if I can see them after the surgery, even if I haven't been there during the surgery, and they tell me how they're getting on, we can fine-tune it. And what we find is that the really good programming done by well-trained hypnotherapists has very, very beneficial effects. Statistically, we see fuller, more powerful healing, more rapid healing, body recovering its strength much quicker. They're able to digest their foods and urinate, defecate the body, getting back to normal much more quickly, sometimes almost remarkably so. And so this is very valuable. It saves money instead of being in a hospital for longer periods than needed. And so not only that, but the pain control is excellent. And whether they're using hypnosis as an adjunct or a replacement, provided you know about hypnotic suggestions for pain control and you've tested the patient beforehand, that client has been well and truly tested for their threshold and their response to hypnotic anesthesia suggestions, well, then you can look forward to very good outcomes, all being well. And as long as no negative suggestions are given at any stage to counteract the really powerful suggestions you've given them, that client can have such a wonderfully improved response to the surgery, and wonderfully improved outcomes, and patient satisfaction goes right up. Frankly, we find doctors, anesthetists, and surgeons, when they learn about the value of hypnosurgery and realize what amazingly positive beneficial effects emotionally and physically can occur for clients with such a limited intervention even. You know, you might only have half an hour with the client at each session programming them. Over four sessions, you've got two hours then. And even less, I've worked with people the night before the surgery. Sometimes I've been asked to give them suggestions over the phone 10 minutes before they're wheeled into the surgery. And we have helped them greatly with that. Those few minutes of suggestion are seized upon by the subconscious because the need and the motivation is there and we get such good, positive help just from that programming alone. So there are many aspects to this uh, and adapted to that client and that surgical setting and the particular hospital setting. So all in all, I feel this should be a part of normal everyday medical practice that hypnosurgery is involved in all surgeries and medical procedures. I remember a few years ago I talked to someone who accompanied people to hospital and helped them through hypnoanesthesia and so they didn't need any chemical anesthetics. And what he said, it's actually very easy to do because a client will go into hypnosis and he will stay in hypnosis because the subconscious mind knows when they get out of hypnosis, it hurts. Yes, that's true. I mean, people's threshold for pain varies a great deal. 
and there are many factors at the time that could interfere with suggestions if you haven't worked well with them, such as fear would start to invalidate the hypnotic inductions and the whole hypnotic experience and can, of course, dramatically lower the threshold for pain. Now, there aren't that many people around doing it, and if people are genuinely doing this work, yes, they report very positive outcomes, but they know they have to work with each individual case as it comes along, and they work in a way then that they've tested the client beforehand, that they're going into hypnotic relaxation, that they're getting good anesthesia from suggestion, and then whether they need to use hypnosis as a sole anesthetic or as an adjunct. And so it's a case-by-case basis as well. Because that topic arises over and over again about the depth of hypnosis which is required to do work. And from our previous and other interviews that you've made, it's very clear that depending on what you work on, the depth of hypnosis is not correlated with the outcome of the session. Well, I always say the depth of trance does not correlate strongly with therapeutic outcome across the general range of problems seen by the general practitioner of hypnotherapy. But I've always said, of course, as a general statement, there are specifics in which the hypnotic trance may play a bit more of a role. Yes, and that would be my question. Now, when you work with people preparing for surgery, like in this interview now, is there a stronger correlation or is is it more helpful to help them to go deeper in hypnosis than during the regular therapeutic session? Well, to keep it simple, because it's a complicated area, it's more valuable in that case that they go well into trance because they feel they can more easily dissociate from what's going on. They're in their special place. All the things that you would program them with before surgery and reinforce during surgery. Now, there's still a lot of variables here. The fact is that a person, through fear, even if they were in a deep trance and then they started to bring themselves out, you know, that could cause problems. So you would have to make sure your suggestions were working well with, that you, if you're there with them, that you're doing the very best programming and not relying only on the depth of the trance to maintain everything. There is that kind of myth that you just, the depth, yes, he won't feel anything. Well, there is some truth in it, but again, it's more complex. At lighter levels, people can have very good anesthesia, but I wouldn't want to rely on that alone. Hmm. I mean, Dr. Escudero and people who use the power of the mind without the label hypnosis or the more traditional sleep model of hypnosis, you know, the deep relaxation model, he gets profound psychoanalgesia with essentially thinking about it. In other words, like giving a suggestion that's accepted by the mind, even though the person is not in any anything like a relaxed hypnotic state that we would recognize, I would still say it's a form of suggestion and waking hypnosis. Again, these labels are only our attempts to encapsulate experiences of the human mind that are very complex. Suggestion and programming at a conscious level, so-called, very, very, very powerful. Adding in the hypnotic trance, so to speak, whether it's a, and we can have trance, the very active form of trance, running around in some stage hypnosis, alert hypnotic trance, so to speak, or more of that lethargic, eyes closed, semi-sleep model of hypnosis, you can have analgesia suggestions working very effectively. 
in the hypnotic trance. And the trance itself, when you are very well into it, produces its own level of anesthesia. And so this is, I think, what's given rise to the idea. Well, if he's very much in the trance, he'll tend to be anesthetized anyway. And there is truth in that statement. But I don't think we can then simply say, okay, now the deeper we go, the better he will with his anesthesia. It's a bit simplistic to say that. And you need a lot of skills at programming to deliver those programming suggestions with confidence, with faith, with belief. Very important. Whatever level of trance that person has, their conviction in you as the authority figure Axel can often have far more value to them for anesthesia than whether in level A, B, C, D, E, F, G, or anything else. I know, remember well from talking with a colleague of mine, a medical man, Dr. Jack Gibson, who when working with people in emergency settings, very often his hypnosurgery approach, because he worked with accidents, uh, emergency situations so often, he would simply say, I'm a doctor, will you do what I tell you? what I ask you to do, and they'd say, yes. He says, now, close your eyes and relax. And if you relax a little, all discomfort goes a little. And if you relax completely, all discomfort goes completely. And with his confident manner and tone of voice, he would just check that they were relaxing and then start working with surgery. He did not concern himself whether they're in, oh, the deepest level of hypnotic coma and so on. And while I don't deny that the mesmeric coma, as it initially was, or the hypnotic coma, it's not a good label for it, but it, I don't deny that these levels exist and bring about anesthesia of varying degrees for people, sometimes very profound. I feel a good hypnotist is able to bring anesthesia with suggestion alone anyway. But let's put it this way. We use everything in our arsenal in dealing with hypnosurgery to give the client the patient the very best experience so because our time has already progressed very much and we are coming to an end john thank you for the great insight and could you summarize let's say a few points for the people who would like to start with patients preparing them for surgery in this general setting that we talked about Yes, well, most people will be working with a client in a situation where they won't be there during the surgery, during that procedure. So, key thing beforehand is to build good rapport, do a lot of good uncovering, so you make sure there are no major fears or lack of will to live. So you get on them with really good programming to build the expectation, teach them the principles of using imagination, visualizations self-hypnosis, get them well into hypnosis and test them for their anesthesia and levels of relaxation, make good recordings beforehand for them to practice with, perhaps one for during the surgery if they're allowed to use it, and then you can get them afterwards to boost the post-operative recovery even more. You can then have wonderful positive outcomes for people compared to what they would have achieved with their non-hypnotic, with out hypnosurgery so to speak thank you very much john unfortunately our time has already come to an end i'm very much looking forward to our next hypnotalks question and answers session 13 thank you very very much john for your great insight for sharing with us your knowledge and have a great and fantastic day 
Thank you, Axel, and thanks to all the people listening in. For today, goodbye for now. And to all of our listeners, if you have liked this episode, please give us a like, a friendly comment, subscribe to our channels and share this episode via email and on social media. And make sure to follow up with the next episodes. Please check out our homepages. You'll find them linked on the homepage of this podcast. With that said, I'm Axel Hombach, online with Dr. John Butler. Have a great time. Until next time.